Our opening words this morning are written by Gretchen Haley in a, a piece called Surrender to This Life. And um, it sums up today's message. Life does not always go according to plan, does it? And yet, and yet I truly believe we can oftentimes, not always, but oftentimes, access the resources to deal with what comes our way. So I wonder if um, Gretchen's title, Surrender to This Life, speaks to you in some way this morning. I'll give up the fight for some other moment, some other life than here and now. Give up the longing for some other world, the wishing for other choices to make, other songs to sing, other bodies, other ages, other countries, other stakes. Surrender only to this life, this day, this hour. Not because it does not constantly break your heart, but because it also beckons with beauty, startles with delight, if, if only we keep waking up. This is the gift we have been given. These body clothes, this heartbreak, this pulse, this breath, this light, these friends, this hope. Here we can remember ourselves, all part of it all, giving thanks together. Come, let us worship. So thank you. Thank you for joining us in person this morning and online for this Kensington Unitarian Sunday gathering. For those of you I've not met before, I'm Sarah Tinker and I'm glad to be with you. I suggest we just take a moment now to bring all of ourself to this time and place. Even the difficult aspects of our lives may find some comfort here as we explore together today's theme of not as expected. Our Unitarian ch chalice flame, it's lit and it beams a warm welcome to you. And it's connecting us, one to another and to our wider world. One people living one life on this, our oh so precious planet Earth home. And that theme of welcome is going to be found in our first hymn today, You'll find it in uh, uh, the Green Hymn Book, which is number 172, and the words will also appear on uh, your screens at home. And the first uh, verse goes, Now open wide your hearts, my friend, and I will open mine, and let us share all that is fair, less of the yours and mine. So do feel free to sing or simply listen. Hymn 172.
lovely. So let's ready ourselves for a time of reflection and prayer. As I call on the spirit of life and love to be with us now. We seek your stillness and peace, your presence and grace in this sacred space and in our lives. And may the promise of your peace remind us that all is yet well, despite these burdens we have to bear and the anxieties too often with us. Oh, may our weakness and our failings find forgiveness. And as we find that inner peace, may we also find the strength to dismiss the failings we can be so quick to judge in others. We know that the work of acceptance is the work of a lifetime. For there is always more for us to understand about ourselves and about others. And in the spirit of gratitude, I invite you, if you wish, to think of someone who you feel accepted by, just as you are. And if no one comes immediately to mind, you might think of a time or a place when you could really be yourself. No need to pretend otherwise. And is there an individual or maybe a group that you could be more open-hearted towards? Are we able to accept the failings of others? Knowing that their limitations could as well be our own. And in a few moments of shared silence now, I invite you to send your thoughts and prayers to people and places in this world where you know there to be discord, suffering, cruelty even, injustice. Oh, let us call to the God of our hearts and our understanding to guide us on best ways to work towards change in this world. And may our society be kinder and more humane because of your presence here on earth, this day and all days. Amen. I think we have a reading now. And the reading is the reason that you've got a duck on your order of service sheet. Um, have you ever had the experience of um, an animal, maybe, or maybe an insect or a little mammal being in your home when they really shouldn't be there? And that would be for their own good. I've experienced cockroach chasing in lands afar and, and nearer to home I've been visited by a baby bat, several pigeons, a robin and a fox. 
and at least three of those really wanted to get back out again. The fox looked as if it would like to stay for supper and decided to have a lie down in the kitchen. This must be why I so like this reading that we're going to hear now, which describes somebody's encounter with a duck in their living room. And I am actually just a bit suspicious that she was so easily caught because all the animals that have come into my home led us a merry dance before they discovered the open windows. I'll tell you about the baby bat later over a cup of tea. So this is Kathleen McTeague and it's lovely. So one spring afternoon, I went home a little early so I could claim an hour of study time before my children got home. And as I opened the door, I was greeted by both cats, which was a little odd because they don't usually condescend to notice our comings and goings unless it's dinner time. And one of the cats promptly bolted straight out the open door while the other wrapped himself persistently around my legs. As I stood puzzling over this behavior at the edge of my vision, I caught a sudden motion in the family room where there should be no motion at all in an empty house. With the hair rising on the back of my neck, I slowly moved into the home round the corner of the room and then I saw it. There was a duck a wild brown duck, a live duck in the family room. And my brain actually stopped completely for a couple of heartbeats. What should the brain do? After all, we so utterly unexpected a sight. So I stood there in the doorway and I said out loud, there is a duck in the family room, as though it would help me believe it. None of the windows were open. The doors were properly closed. The duck huddled in the far corner of the room next to the pile of books and DVDs, radiating the hope that if she kept perfectly still, I wouldn't see her. And carefully, I caught her up, a small wood duck, female, her heart tapping frantically against my hands, and I carried her outside. And I looked at her, full of wonder for this little visitation. And then I opened my hands and she leapt into the air in a great arc of liberation and beat her wings in a straight line of escape all the way to the horizon. I went back inside to investigate the breach of household security and within a few minutes the mystery was explained. A trail of ashes spilled from the fireplace here and there on the wall against the ceiling. I saw soot in little feather-shaped impressions where the duck had thrown herself up towards the light. And it all made sense then how a duck could be standing in the middle of my house. But I felt lucky that for a few breaths, my linear deductive mind had been shocked into silence. The, when something tumbles us into that state of wonder, the unexpected quiet in our heads is like a window flung open on the world. Instead of the routine, predictable story we live each day, there is something new under the sun. And surprised out of our minds for a moment, we actually see. Startled awake, we receive what's in front of us. Simple astonishing, unedited. 
Afterwards, baking in, basking in the dazzlement of my visitor, it occurred to me that it really shouldn't require a duck in the family room to awaken my wonder. Isn't the same lovely little wood duck just as wondrous, just as worthy of my awe and my open grateful heart when she's out in the woods where she belongs? The real miracle is not that her frightened heart beat against my hands for a moment, but that her heart beats at all, and that her heart beats and my hand can hold and save. So, now our next hymn, um, some of our visitors from the United States will, I think, know of this one because I'm sure it comes from your folk tradition. It is such a beautifully mournful tune, this one, and it's a great message. You'll find it in the green, um, hymn book it's number 180 or it'll be on your screens and this message of this hymn is that the world's sorrows are eased by our love and compassion for one another so i'm going to suggest we stay seated this one and imagine maybe singing this song to one another this old world is full of sorrow <laughs>
So let's ready ourselves for a meditative time now. There's going to be a short reading leading into a shared silence, and that will end with a chime from our bell and be followed by a really lovely piece of music on clarinet and piano called Sicilienne by Marisa Teresa von Paradis, an Austrian 18th century composer who lost her sight at an early age. So I invite you to get as comfy as you can wherever you are, Maybe soften our gaze or focus on can a candle flame or a view out of a window if you're at home. Let's enjoy that feeling of resting as we sit or lie. Aware of the contact between us and the chair, us and the floor beneath our feet, the strength of the earth holding us and the gentle rhythm of our breathing helping us to turn our attention inwards. As I read these words called Letting Go of Certainty by Rebecca Coppola. Let go of the idea that you know what breathing should feel like. Just notice the breath as it moves in and out of the body. Let go of certainty be with the breath as it is. Allow openness. Allow curiosity. Notice the mind. Each thought that arises. Allow openness. Don't judge your mind or your experience. Be loving in your curiosity about each thought. Let go of certainty. Let go of any idea about what you should be thinking. Accepting your thoughts exactly as they are. Be with yourself as you are. Be curious about who you are. Love how you are in this world. Gently take a deep breath. Maybe even a big sigh. Resting in this present moment. Resting in this stream of life.
Expect Chaos by Vanessa Rush Southern. I used to think life could be counted on to be stable. It was my parents' fault. They carefully engineered my world to send just that message. My evening bedtime was always the same. The bag lunch my mother packed every day was basically the same. The way that my father did my hair every morning was one of two very predictable styles. Every day, without fail, there was someone in the queue outside school to pick me up. Things moved along with amazing certainty. A predictable life does a child good in many ways. It makes the world feel safe. It frees us up to concentrate on important things like schoolwork and figuring out who we are. Yet I've come to see that life, unlike the routines of my childhood, is not predictable. A few weeks ago, I found myself saying something I had heard many times before. When this chapter or snag or transition is over, life will begin again. My husband chimed in from the corner of the room to say, haven't we been saying some version of that for five years now? Indeed, we both realized perhaps we'd been duped. Perhaps this is life. Perhaps change is life. Prostrations and snags are life. Maybe instead of being taught to expect stability and predictability, we should have been taught to expect chaos or at least constant transitions and snags. We should have been told that turbulence in the air is the norm, not the exception. Keep your air sickness bags close, ladies and gentlemen. This ride will be shaky. The theologian Sharon Welch was interviewing women managers a few years back trying to find out what approach made some more successful, what gave some more professional longevity. What she found was that the women who survived and thrived in their jobs were the ones who didn't take chaos personally. The women who thrived were the ones who didn't think they had failed when things went wrong at work. Instead, they were the ones who came to work asking, what will it be today? And then looked around to find out what it would be. Physics tells us that there is chaos in the cosmos. In every atom, in the wanderings of every electron. Why should our existence be any different? So here is our new life philosophy, or at least part of it. Expect, watch for, and embrace uncertainty. Dance with the madness of the cosmos, not against it. Leave your door open and your heart ready for anything, 
In this adult world, it may be the only way, not just to survive what is inevitable, but to thrive in the midst of it. Thank you, Brian. Expect chaos. I think I might write that on a wall at home somewhere. I don't know, have you, have you done any online shopping recently, any of you? I think you're higher beings. I bet none of you have done it at all. Well, when a parcel had to be returned, um, the, the manufacturers kindly supplied me with a list of reasons why I might be returning the unwanted item. Wrong colour, wrong size, bought in error. And then there was this one tick box which just immediately caught my eye and made me smile. Item not as expected. That summed up my failed shopping attempt and it also sums up life for me at present, not as expected. And I know some of you are experiencing similar turbulence in your own lives and in the lives of those you love. But alas, we can't send life back, can we, to the retailers or manufacturers for failing to live up to our expectations. I've always really appreciated that saying, um, the best laid plans of mice and men. Uh, it comes from Robbie Burns's poem, To Wee Mouse. Um, and he wrote it, he, he was a ploughman, and he wrote it when his ploughing disturbed the uh, nest of a field mouse. And he described with such compassion the little mouse's distress. And then he realized that the suffering for the mouse would be less than for us mortals because the mouse lives in the present moment. Life is less painful, Burns recognized, if we manage to stay in the present rather than looking back on times past or forward into a future that exists only in our thinking. You can probably imagine how a human mouse might respond to the destruction of its living space by a plow. I'll never make the nest so cosy again. And how am I going to replace the sofas? I worked so hard to pay for them. And I was so happy here. I'll never be happy again. These teachings, like the best laid plans of mice and men, they're found in all the world's religious and philosophical traditions. I bet you know a, a version of the Yiddish proverb, we plan, God laughs or the Buddhist teaching that we need to learn to accept the difficulties we come across in life as our path, not as obstacles to be avoided. Expect chaos, as that reading that Brian gave us just a bit ago reminds us. Adjust your expectations, Buddhism teaches, and disappointment and suffering cease. Now, I've got to admit that this particular subject is one where I am still in the junior class. After many years of study, I've still got a lot to learn. But a very helpful teaching on this theme has stayed with me for a long time. It came from a course taught by Landmark Education where we learnt their view that the three uh, key causes of upsets in our lives were thwarted intentions, undelivered communications and unfulfilled expectations. So next time you find yourselves emotionally troubled, it may help your understanding of what's going on to step back a while and ask, 
Are my intentions thwarted at the moment? Is there something I need to communicate? Do I have expectations that are not fulfilled? I think these sorts of teachings, they form a kind of counterbalance to our oh-so-human tendency to think that it shouldn't be this way. We experience something we dislike or we find uncomfortable and we resist it. Life shouldn't do this to us. It shouldn't be like this. Oh, it can be a real release to accept that it is the way it is, whether we like it or not. We can learn to recognize that the difficulty is our path and try, instead of trying to dis escape from it, it's a radical change of perspective because our difficulties are not then obstacles on the path, they are the path itself. They're opportunities to awaken. Can we learn what it means to welcome an unwanted situation as a kind of wake up call? Can we look at it as a signal that there's something here to be learned? Can we allow it to penetrate our hearts? Because by learning to do this, we're taking the first step towards learning what it means to be open to life as it is. We are learning that it means to be willing to be with whatever life presents us. And then when hardship strikes, as it surely does, we can learn not to point the finger of blame at another person, at ourselves, at an institution, or even life itself. Instead, we can turn our attention inwards. But when we're in distress, of course, this is one of the hardest things to do because we so want to defend ourselves. We so want to be right. But it's much more helpful to look perhaps at what we have brought to a situation those beliefs, expectations, cravings. And we might gradually come to understand that whenever we're having an emotional reaction, it's a signal that we've got a belief system in place that we haven't yet looked deeply at enough. And that, with practice, can start to become our way of being in life. Quite a bit of that last bit has come from a Buddhist teacher, Ezra Bader, and I'm grateful to those teachings. Because don't we know by now that life has got a tendency to bring problems our way? It's the nature of the material world apart from anything else. Have you noticed how things break down from time to time? I imagine almost everybody has got something broken in their home at this moment that they'd really like somebody nice to come and fix in some way. Mine's a broken light fitting that keeps annoyingly flickering on and off, so even the electrician can't find what's the problem with it. We have to deal with these things, and we can make it into a battle, a struggle. We can curse it. We can take it all personally. Why me? Have you got a why me at the moment? I, it's, if you're human, you probably have got one somewhere, even if you've put it on the back burner for now. Because it's just so human, isn't it, to take life personally. Oh, but if we can step back from the drama or the upset of it, all, well, then a different perspective might emerge. Things happen constantly in life. And sometimes, lo and behold, they happen to us. Accepting this reality can be an amazing act of liberation for us, 
because actually the resistance sometimes makes it worse than it has to be. But those words, acceptance, surrender, they don't necessarily mean giving up, do they? Though sometimes giving up is the wisest thing to do. But by turning our response upside down, by welcoming the difficulty, now you're gonna to have to fill in your own gap here, Oh, hello, very annoying light fitting that keeps flashing on and off. What's yours, I wonder? What's your latest difficulty? I wondered when you'd turn up. It was only a matter of time. Oh, hello, illness. Hello, rejection. Hello, failure, utter stupidity, loneliness, irritation. We can all fill in the gaps, can't we? I wonder what you're having to greet in your life at this moment. And within this radical acceptance of the difficult is it's there's an underlying idea which I think is really important. If we can accept what is difficult, the implication is that we trust ourselves to deal with what is coming our way. We are big enough to take it all in as community facilitator and writer Margaret Wheatley puts it. We're big enough to take it all in. The more we stay in the present moment, in a place of witness to what is, the more we can stay open and awake. We can hear that phone call. And <laughs> it's waking us up. But when we resist what is, in a way, it's because we're afraid. And that's totally understandable. We are afraid we won't cope. We're afraid things will get worse. We're afraid of our feelings. But in the present moment, we stay with what we encounter and we feel with what is rather than what might be. Our fears, our imaginings are mostly of the future. So when we are able to welcome the difficult, will we remain more in the present moment? The only moment they say that there is. And there, well, there I hope we can find some peace, the peace that arises when we know that life can't always give us what we want. Life can't be certain. Life can't be safe. Life can't be secure. But there in that present moment, we may also find the reassurance that we oftentimes have all the resources we need to deal with whatever life brings our way. However unexpected that may be, we are indeed big enough to take it all in. And all I can say is few. Thank goodness for that. Amen. Well, I don't know if you have noticed the quality of the singing today of the hymns, but it is really nice to have Benji Del Rosario here with his clarinet, isn't it, and that tenor voice. So this was chosen particularly for the tenor voice. It's for the healing of the nations. It's number 198 in the Green Hymn Book. I reckon if you just sing this a slightly different way, you could use it just as a well, as a call out for healing in our own lives, in the life of the world. So let's sing together for the healing.
So time for some announcements now. Um, big thanks to our musicians, Clive Pollard and um, Benji Del Serario, who've played so beautifully for us today. Thank you also to our tech team of Ramona Christia here in the church and Hannah King there on Zoom, sorting everything out for people. We couldn't do these services without you. Thank you, Brian, for that lovely reading today. And if you have a look at the back of the order of service, you'll see there's an invitation to stay for tea and coffee, both here in the church and online, if you'd like to have a chat. We're always looking for volunteers for drinks making and looking after the uh, show here on a Sunday morning. So uh, do talk to Liz or Marianne if you can assist. It's a great help. Do stay after the service here in church if you'd like to, because we have our very own Margaret Marshall here to do a singing class. That's going to be from 12 to 12.45, so you can get a, a drink first. It's accessible for everybody. You do not have to be able to sing to enjoy that singing class. It's just great exercise. Uh, we have these classes on the third Sunday of every month. Um, there are spaces in uh, Heart and Soul this evening. Jane fully expects to be back from A&E and ready to do Heart and Soul this evening. And the theme is about communication. So do just send her an email if you'd like to go to that on Sunday or Friday. Don't forget the church Zoom coffee morning on Wednesday. And uh, do join Sonia. There you are. Hello, Sonia. Do talk to Sonia about Nia dance classes if you've not done that before, because that's available both in person and uh, uh, on Zoom as well. Friday in the church each week you'd be very welcome and jane promises to be back next sunday and we've got a, a guest preacher the reverend dr rory castle jones uh, who'll be beaming in from wales and also i must just say thank you to our visitors uh, today for coming to join us we've got two different congregations from the states one from massachusetts and one from nebraska here today so do have a chat with them and find out how unitarian universalism is doing across the pond as they say so our closing words our closing blessing The seasons turn once more as winter gives way to sp spring's fresh beauty. The weather alters each day along with the wind's direction. Our lives are as small boats tossed upon waves of uncertainty. And yet within us, we may discover a core of such strength and such stability we may surprise ourselves in our steadiness, whatever life blows our way. May each of us find that sense of being anchored in the midst of life's turbulence, accepting with grace all that occurs. Amen. And go well, all of you, and blessed be.